Hey, Life Church. I'm Harriet Blevins. And I'm Tim Blevins. And thank you so much for being online with us today. Please continue to let us know how we can connect and pray with you by filling out our forms on the website. We really hope that you enjoy today's service. We hope that it refreshes you and you can take that into this week. We love you, we miss you, and we cannot wait to see you again soon. Amen. Good morning, Life Church. Welcome to Online Church. Once again, I'm so glad you're with us. I want to give you a quick report on our in-person services. They are going great. And I want to invite you, if you feel comfortable, to sign up and come to an in-person service. They are going so well. We're preparing for you. Uh, soon we're going to add our children's ministry, and soon we're going to add a second service because we want to make capacity for everybody that wants to come to church the opportunity to come. And so we just look forward to that. But we're so glad you're here today. I believe God can use today's message, this service, to bless your life, even through online. If I didn't think it was working, I wouldn't keep doing it. But I know God's working, and I know He's moving in your life through these services. So thank you for being here. Uh, if you're on Facebook, do me a favor, share it today. Uh, if you'd make a comment in our comment box, I love to go back and read the comments. And so let me know you're there. So today we're going to continue in a series that we've been in out of the book of Philippians. Two weeks ago, we arrived at chapter 2. And this chapter primarily is focused on unity. And I really had no idea when I started this series and I started chapter 2 that we would be in a, in a crisis in our culture over unity. And so I just figure that God has His way of setting things up to get the Scriptures to line up and the sermons to line up with what He wants communicated to our church body in this really important season. So let me remind you real quick where we've been. Two weeks ago, we were in Philippians chapter 2, the first four verses. And if you remember in that particular time, there were two ladies that had a disagreement and Paul called out their names. And these two ladies in their disagreement had caused division in the church. And so Paul was working hard to unify the church. He said in the first uh, week that I was preaching, Paul said that we need to understand that we've been loved. We've had grace. We've had forgiveness given to us. And out of that, we would give that back to others as a way to unify the church body and to unify with others. Paul also talked about how we would be selfless and we would serve others. And so we studied that in week one. Last week, if you tuned in with us, you know that we talked about humility and unity. There is no unity without humility. So it was a great service. I felt like we dealt with some pretty big topics last week in the area of racism. And so today we're going to continue our topic, our discussion that Paul has laid out for us in Philippians. And we're going to continue the conversation about uni unity. What we're going to do today is discover something that is destructive to unity, something that is destructive to churches and families and even to our own lives. And so you're going to kind of see the topic of what we're talking about in my sermon title today. And so you can see on the screen, my title today is Saints with Complaints. Saints with Complaints. Hey, do me a favor right now at your house. How many of you would agree with me that there's just too much complaining in our world? Come on, raise your hand. If you're at home, raise your hand. If you're driving, 
Keep one hand on the wheel, raise the other hand. If you're running the cameras for me today, filming this, raise your hand. There's too much complaining going on. I know you're hearing too much complaining, and most likely I am doing too much complaining. But who else would agree with me on this? that there's a lot to complain about right now. <laughs> there's so much to complain about with everything that's happening in our world right now. And so everybody is complaining about something, and Paul wants to talk to us about saints with complaints. In our series, we've called it When Life Gives You Lemons. And usually when life gives us difficulties, one of the responses to difficulties is complaining. But Paul said this, jumping into some text today in Philippians 2.14, Paul said, do everything without complaining and arguing. Do everything without complaining and arguing. Now in the church in Philippi here that Paul was writing to this letter, they were complaining and it was tearing their church apart. They were, come on, say it with me, saints with complaints. I think you said it. I'm believing you said it, but saints with complaints. Complaining always ruins relationships. Complaining ruins and tears apart families and tears apart marriages and tears apart businesses and complaining ruins small groups in churches and complaining ruins churches. And so Paul is working with this particular church about unity but helping them by stopping their complaining, stopping their grumbling and arguing. So we're going to pick up the text where Paul is teaching them. It starts in Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. And the first part of this verse says, Therefore, my dear friends. So Paul says, therefore, anytime you see in Scripture where it says, therefore, it is therefore a reason. And the reason it's there is because Paul just made some statements ahead of this section. And he said, therefore, because of what I have been telling you, then this should be the case. Because of the factors ahead, there should be unity in our church. And so what was it that Paul told them? Let me remind you, if you've missed a couple of weeks with us, what Paul had said that brings unity. So in Philippians 2.2, he says that we should agree wholeheartedly with each other. He says that we should be loving one another, working together with one mind and purpose. He says in Philippians 2.3, he says, don't be selfish. He says, be humble. In Philippians 2.5, we had this verse last week. And it says that we must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. So Paul says, therefore, because of these things that I've been teaching you, you should be walking in unity. So Paul says in verse 12, back to our text, therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence. So Paul was saying that the church in Philippi, they obeyed the instructions, they obeyed the, the verses that we just read. They were obeying those things while Paul was with them, but now not so much. Now they're in division. Something has happened in the church that has caused division. Something has happened. In our society, there's always something happening that gives opportunity to divide people. There's always something happening. In this church, something happened. There was a division of two ladies. Something happened. I don't know what happened to cause their disagreement. There's always something. In our culture, we are triggered for division. 
And people will divide over anything today. We are such a divided culture, we're triggered for it. We're triggered for people to call out each other. We're triggered to boycott stuff. We're triggered to rioting. We're triggered to fighting. There's just something that's happening in our culture today. There's something that's always given opportunity for division. I would say it like this. There's a spirit of division in our country right now. A spirit of division. There's actually a spirit that's working through our country that is triggering people to division. Spirit of division in our country. I and our church, we are working and praying for a spirit of reconciliation. That's what I'm working towards. That's what I'm praying for. Reconciliation. There's a spirit of division and we're lifting a spirit of reconciliation. I want reconciliation of African Americans and whites. I want reconciliation of African Americans and police. Honestly, listen, I want reconciliation with Republicans and Democrats. Everybody's so divided. And just to remind you about something about our government, Republicans and Democrats should be checks and balances, not fights and divisions. They aren't supposed to be so at war with each other. I am working towards reconciliation between churches, reconciliation between relationships. Complaining and grumbling, arguing, negativity, fighting, rioting, looting, these things perpetuate and strengthen the spirit of division. And left unchecked, it grows into hate and divides nations, divides friends, divides churches. Complaining is the birthing of all of that. On the other hand, praying, praising. Paul talked about humility, love, forgiveness, meaningful conversations, peaceful protests. These things releases a spirit of reconciliation, which grows into unity. In Life Church, at our church, we are pulling down spiritual strongholds of division and we are lifting up a spirit of reconciliation and unity in our church, in our city, and praying it for our country. We're all about reconciliation. A spirit of division is not just out there, though. It's not just something that we're watching on the news. It's so easy for that same spirit to get into our homes, that same spirit to get in our churches, and it comes in through complaining, grumbling, and arguing. That's why the Apostle Paul, as he's addressing unity, he said, we must stop this complaining. We must stop this arguing. Paul said, we shouldn't have this going on in the church. He's like, if we were doing those things above, then we should have unity. So Paul says in our verse again in Philippians chapter 2, 12, he says, therefore, dear friends, as you've always obeyed. What did they obey? The instructions of the verses above. He said, you should have unity, but not so much right now. And then he says this. He says, continue to work out your salvation. Continue to work out your salvation. Now listen, Paul is not saying that you have to work to be saved. That's not what he's saying. We know that we are saved through the grace of Jesus Christ. 
And when you give your life to Christ, all of your sins are forgiven. It's not by anything we do. It's by everything that Jesus does. So Paul isn't saying that we work in order to be saved. What Paul is speaking about is the stage of salvation that is about transforming our lives. Now let me explain that to you real quick. Three, three stages of salvation. There are three stages of salvation. One is the initial salvation. And that's the day you say yes to Jesus and you give your life to Christ. I gave my life to Christ at a Billy Graham crusade. And I remember I was on the top of, a, of an auditorium and there was an altar call that was given. And I went down and I, I prayed the sinner's prayer. And, and my life was, was forever changed at that moment. And I, I became a believer. And my name was sealed in the Lamb's book of life. And and there was a Spirit of God came to live in me. That's the initial salvation. The second stage of salvation, though, is the process of salvation. The Bible calls it sanctification, but it's the process of becoming the person that you were saved to be. In other words, you gave your life to Christ, but you brought with you your selfish attitudes. I brought with my with me, my pride and, and those things. And so there's a process as of, of us becoming the person that we were saved to be. This is that process of salvation. Uh, I've heard it said like this, I haven't become all that I want to be, but I'm not who I used to be. It's a great process of spiritual growth. When Paul said we're working out our salvation, He's not talking about the initial salvation. He's talking about that spiritual growth. And he's saying that we need to work out unity in our church. The third place of salvation is the actualization of salvation. The actualization. What is this? This is when you pass from this life to that life. This is when you pass from earth to heaven and the, the finished product. We become a finished product. We, we become all that God has dreamed of us becoming. He creates that in us as we go into eternity. I think when Paul was saying to them in this verse that, that they need to continue to work out their salvation, what I believe Paul was trying to say to them is that he recognized that people that were not saved are not going to have a shot at unity very well. Unsaved people, we shouldn't expect, uh, expect them to walk in unity. Uh, I think he's recognized that heaven, there's perfect unity. But in this in-between stage between my salvation and getting to heaven, there's work to do. We really need to work. And Paul is speaking specifically about unity here. And he's like, we're going to have to work out our salvation. We're going to have to work out our maturity. We're going to have to work out our unity here on earth. Heaven, it'll be easy. Man, in heaven, unity comes really easy. On earth... Still a lot of work to do. My pastor one time, he said this, and I love this little, little way he said it, but he said, to live above with the saints, sorry, to live above with the saints above, oh, that will be glory. But to live below with the saints we know, oh, that's another story. And that's funny, but it's reality that learning to have unity here is going to be a lot different than when we're in heaven. I love what the Bible shows us, a glimpse of heaven and what unity looks like. And just for a moment, let me give you a glimpse of heaven and what unity looks like in heaven. This is, this is the goal. This is what we look to. This is what's in front of us. And honestly, I think we should live today with the goal in mind. And out of the book of Revelation, John is writing this. And it's a vision of heaven. 
And John says this, after, he says, after this I saw a vast crowd. And so he's looking into heaven, he sees this vast crowd. He said, too great to count. And he says, from every nation and tribe and people and language standing in front of the throne before the Lamb. In other words, every nation, every tribe, every people, every language was standing shoulder to shoulder in heaven worshiping the Lamb of God who is Jesus. And so here's the deal, church. I think that when people get a glimpse of me or they get a glimpse of you or they see you, they ought to get a glimpse of Jesus. They won't get a perfect look at Jesus, but they ought to get a reflection of Jesus when they look at you and I. But I think when people look at the church body, they ought to get a reflection of what heaven looks like. They ought to see every nation and every tribe, every tongue, every people standing shoulder to shoulder in the body of Christ, worshiping together. That's what heaven looks like. And I believe we should start to emulate that here. That's the picture of unity. And that's what we're working towards here at Life Church. So Paul is saying to the church, he's like, you have some work to do though. You're not there. You haven't made it. You're in that in-between stage. You're not there yet. So he continues in verse 12, reading it again. He says, Therefore, my dear friends, as you've always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence. He says, continue to work it out. Get better. Grow in your salvation. He says, with fear and trembling. Say that with me. Fear and trembling. Go ahead, say fear, trembling. Did you say it? I don't know if you said it. I believe you said it. Fear and trembling. Why did he say fear and trembling? Paul is saying that the work of unity is serious work. Paul is saying this is really serious. Unity in the church is serious business to God. It's extremely important. And unity should not be taken lightly. That's why Paul said you need to continue the work of unity in your church with fear and trembling. Causing division in the local church is serious to God. Causing division through complaining, murmuring, grumbling, arguing is a direct offense towards God. And Paul said we need to approach unity with fear, fear being awe of God. Trembling is the seriousness of what unity is all about, and we should approach it with that kind of seriousness. Let me give you a verse just to highlight the seriousness of why God wants us to come into unity. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, in verse 17, it says, God, now listen, this is pretty strong language, I get it, but just follow with me. It says, God will destroy anyone who destroys the temple. For God's temple is holy and you are that temple. What this is teaching us is that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are that temple today. And when we are gathered together as a church body, when we make up a church body, we become the representation of the temple on earth together collectively. And so in the Old Testament, it's teaching us that God destroyed anything that came against His temple. Listen, I don't believe God's going to destroy anybody, but I think it's pretty safe to say that God does not show favor upon those who harm His church. Pretty simple to take it to that. And the last thing that any of us ever want to do is cause division 
in God's church. Whose church? Whose church? It's God's church. It's God's church. It says in Philippians chapter 2, moving on, verse 13, it says, For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. So what is happening is, is God is working in us. He is energizing His people by the power of Holy Spirit to do what pleases Him. By His Spirit, it is God at work in us, helping us to do what God wants us to do. And what is it that God is speaking of here? What is Paul talking about? It's talking about unity. So it is actually God that is at work through us by the Holy Spirit working for unity. It's God working for unity. You see, if you're spreading discourse and arguments and complaints, then listen, you're not working against me. Uh, listen, I, listen, you might hurt my feelings, but this is an attack on me. If you're attacking the church, you don't attack me. If you're, if you're dividing the church, if you are grumbling against the church, if you are spreading gossip, if you're complaining, then listen, you're not doing that against me or the leadership of our church. You're actually working against what God is working for. You're working against what God is working for. In the Old Covenant, God dealt really in a strong way when it comes to grumbling. This will just give you another example of it. In 1 Corinthians 10.10, the church in Corinth was also dealing with great division in their church. And so Paul, who wrote to the Corinthian church, just like he wrote to the Philippians church, he says this, he says, don't grumble as some of them did. So Paul is referring to the Israelites who were grumbling in the wilderness about what God was doing to provide for them. And so he says, Paul says, don't grumble as some of them, as the Israelites did, and then were destroyed by the angel of death. That's crazy. That's God's heart, though. He does not like grumbling and complaining and division. It says these things, verse 11, these things happened to them. It happened to the Israelites as an example to us. Now, Paul said these things happened to the Israelites for the example for the Corinthians. But then he goes on and says they were written down. In other words, they made it to the Bible why? To warn us, to warn you and I, to warn Life Church, to warn us who live at the end of the age. So I think it's pretty safe to say that God does not like grumbling and complaining and division. So whether it's in church or any other setting, we must approach unity with reverence, with fear, with seriousness. Paul said with fear and trembling. Listen, Life Church, this is God's church. This is, this is not my church. This is not Harriet's church. This is God's church. It's God's plan. I don't own it. Jesus is the head of Life Church. This wasn't an organization that was dreamed up so that we could gather people together and inspire them to live happy lives. That's not what this is. Jesus is the head of His church. This is His body. And God is energizing this church body by the power of the Holy Spirit. He's all in this place. God is doing amazing things. 
Sometimes I look at all that we've been through as a church and I think, oh, God must be for this church. We've been through so much and yet we're still so strong. God's hand is on this church in such a powerful way. He is building this church. Jesus always builds the local church. Nobody wants to tear down what God is building up through our complaints. We don't want to tear down what God is building up. Now, I say all that not because there's something going on in our church. Uh, I really don't have any sense of any division going on in our church. I'm simply bringing to you what Paul taught to the church in Philippi. And if anything, it becomes preventative preaching so that we don't find ourselves complaining and tearing things apart. It's a great reminder for all of us. So with all that in mind, with the seriousness of unity in mind, that's the backdrop of where Paul gets to when he says, do everything, verse 14, do everything without complaining and arguing. Everything is everything. So we shouldn't complain about our house. We shouldn't complain about our spouse, your neighborhood, your friends, or your church. Do everything without complaining and arguing. And so for just the last few minutes, I want to share with you four reasons to stop complaining. And the first is a little bit of a repeat, but it's worth mentioning. Four reasons to stop complaining. Number one, complaining is against God. Complaining is against God. It says in Exodus, looking back at the Old Testament, it says, Moses said to the Israelites, the Lord will give you meat to eat in the evening and bread to satisfy you in the morning. For he has heard all of your complaints against him. Moses says, what have we done? He says, yes, look at this. It's underlined, it's bold on your screen. Your complaints are against the Lord, not against us. So complaints are not against me, not against leaders. We're actually complaining about what God is doing in our life. Complaining. I believe complaining is as spiritual as prayer and praise. Everybody understands prayer and praise is spiritual. We know that. You know, when you pray, you're connecting with God. When you're praising the Lord, you're connecting to God. Complaining is just as spiritual as prayer and and praise because all three are ways of communicating with God. Prayer and praise, you're voicing your agreement with God. You're saying, God, yes, you can do it. And, and in your praise, you're saying, God, my situation now not, might, not, might not be great, but I know you can do it. And, and so in your praise, you're, you're, just, you're agreeing with God what He can do. Complaining is voicing your displeasure with God. You're saying, God, I don't like my situation. I don't like what's happening. And complaining is just voicing your displeasure with God because it's not against the thing. It's always against God. Your complaints, it said, are against the Lord and not against us. Prayer and praise. What does it do? Prayer and praise. It releases faith that with God all things are possible. I love that thought. With God all things are possible. When you are in prayer and you're in praise, you're releasing your faith in the fact that God can do it. God can see you through. God can get you to the next step. God can get you through COVID-19. God can get you through a closed business. With God, all things are possible. That's why we pray and we believe by faith that God's going to do great things. Complaining is releasing faith that the bad circumstances are probable in your life. 
You can either praise and pray or you complain. Faith releases the impossibility of, of the possibility of God doing the impossible in your life. Complaining releases that it's probable that bad things will continue. And so complaining is against God. Number two, complaining is contagious. Contain, complaining is contagious. In Proverbs chapter 26, 20 through 22, it says, Without wood, a fire goes out. Without gossip, a quarrel dies down. Gossip is like complaining, something out of the heart, negativity coming out of the heart. But without it, then quarrels die. It says in verse 21, as charcoal to embers, as fire or as wood is to fire, so a quarrelsome person is kindling for strife. In other words, someone who is carrying that, that bitterness and carrying that, that the language of complaining, it becomes kindling. It starts a fire. Verse 22 says, the words of a gossip, they're like choice morsels that go down into the innermost parts. You see, complaining is contagious. It's like fire that spreads from one person to another. Listen, when you start complaining at your house about your house or about your neighborhood and you know, and you're just like, I don't like my neighbors. I don't like my neighborhood. I don't like our house. It's too small and, uh, or it's too this. And, you know, we need a, a bigger backyard. And, you know, you just, and when you just start complaining, what happens is, is your spouse begins to listen and they start agreeing with you. They're like, oh, you're right. Because you start to shape an image of what people see based on your complaining. So if you're complaining and running down, then they start coming into agreement with you. And now you are, as a husband and wife, complaining about your house and your kids start listening to it. And before you know it, they don't like their house. And before you know it, you hate where you live, you hate your house, and you want to move and spend more money. Complaining is contagious. In church, when you complain to a friend, you're planting a seed of division in their hearts. That person that you're complaining to, they may have never thought about what you're complaining about until you just told them about it. And so now you've started something in someone else. Now they're dealing with it. And so then they kind of start thinking, well, you're probably right. And so then they start complaining to someone else. Complaining is always contagious. Complaining causes division. Complaining and grumbling are when you, when you, uh, when you talk about a problem horizontally. Complaining and grumbling when you talk about a problem horizontally. It's contagious. It spreads to others, causes division, and hurts others. Complaining is always contagious. So I have something for you today uh, to help you filter your complaining mouth. All right, just filtering because it's contagious. So watch this. So everybody's familiar with the face mask right now. And when I put on a face mask, my glasses fog up and I hate it. Um, but what does it do is it, it filters, it filters out. And if right now, if complaining is the thing that's hurting you and hurting others, if complaining is contagious, then we need a, we need a mask on. We need a, something to help us stop spreading division in our houses, in our church, in our jobs. And so what I would like to say is, is instead of me spreading division and using my words for complaints, the verse that I want to repeat over and over. 
come out of Psalms 19.14. And it says, May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to You, O Lord. Man, may the words of my mouth and the, the meditation, the things that I think on, man, Lord, help me filter my negativity. Help me filter my complaints so that my words are pleasing to You, O Lord. Can I get an amen? I don't know if I heard you. Can I get an amen? Listen, division is when we take a problem horizontally. The solution to a problem is when we take it vertically. If you have a problem in church, then go directly to the ministry leader or to your pastor. It is not complaining to express yourself directly and only to the person who can resolve the problem. This only makes us better when we have a great conversation. Take it vertically. Take it to the Lord. Maybe the Lord showed you something in our church for you to pray about. Maybe you need to take that problem and you just begin to pray about it. Maybe you don't need to talk to, to a leader or anybody about it. Maybe God just wants you to pray over it. The solution to every problem is to go vertical, not horizontal. And also one last thought with that is don't sit around and listen to complaining either. Listen, I personally, I don't want to be part of any kind of complaining fest. I don't want to speak against God. Amen? Number three, when it comes to, to uh, our, our reasons why, why we need to stop complaining. Number three, complaining hurts yourself. Complaining hurts yourself. So back to our text in Philippians chapter 2. Paul said, do everything without grumbling and arguing. And then he says, so that you may become blameless and pure. So that you may become blameless and pure. Blameless and pure. What he's saying is he's referring to your spiritual, uh, your spiritual maturity. Blameless and pure. So that you become blameless. So become more mature. So that your walk with God gets stronger. So he's saying, do everything without grumbling and arguing so that you become stronger in your walk with God, so that you become stronger in your spiritual maturity. Listen, a, when, we, when we filter our mouth and we are not complaining, we, we are released to grow in our spiritual walk with God. But complaining becomes a hindrance to our spiritual growth and our walk with God. We have to stop complaining if we want to become blameless, become pure. We want to become more spiritual. We want to grow in our work with God. Also, as a reminder, the Bible says that we are transformed by the renewing of our minds. We're transformed by the renewing of our minds. Our physical brains are forming patterns of thought based on what we continually think on and continually talk about. And over time, if we continually talk about the same things, then we develop in our brains a certain way of thinking. We, we form patterns in our thought process. Our, our physical brains are being formed based on our thoughts and what we say. Complaining is renewing our mind for negativity. And over time, that develops inside of us a very pessimistic outlook in life. And if we continue with complaining and we become pessimistic, and if that continues long enough, we'll just grow up into grumpy old men and women. That's what you grow into. Have you ever met 
a grumpy old man or a grumpy old woman or a bitter old man or a bitter old woman. We all have. Have you ever met a very sweet-spirited older person or a sweet-spirited older woman? Let me ask you, what made the difference in their life? What made one really grumpy and one really sweet-spirited? The difference is, is were they either complainers or were they praisers? Whatever you program is what you become. And number four, complaining hurts our witness and influence. In Philippians, again, 2, 14 and 15, do everything without arguing, without complaining, arguing, so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God. It says then, what? Look at what it says in bold. Shining like bright lights in a world. Complaining dims our light in the world. Complaining dims it. When a non-Christian hears us complaining about church, or the weather, our, our, our bosses, our spouses, then they conclude that walking with Jesus doesn't help you any better than it helps them not walking with Jesus. If all you have is complaints, they're like, well, it's not working for you, I'm good, I'm going to stay out of that. Complaining, it ruins our witness and it diminishes our influence. No one is ever inspired by complaining. And so as I conclude today, one final thought from Apostle Paul in Philippians 2.16. He said, hold firmly to the word of life. Hold firmly to the word of life. This is how he wraps up his, his conversation about unity. You see, when life gives you lemons, he's saying when life gives you a reason to complain, don't complain. Instead, hold firmly to the word of life. Find your comfort in God. Find your strength in God. Find your hope in God. Let the word of life Hold firmly to the Word of life. Meditate on the Word of life and let the Word of life become the words that come out of your mouth. Listen, whatever you hold on to becomes your words. And so if you hold on to the Word of life, then, then the praises will come out. If you hold on to the, to the world and the problems of life, then the complaints will come out. And Paul's saying, hold on to the Word of life. Find what you need in God and He will help bring you to a place of peace and unify you with others. Hold on to the word of life. Amen, church. Amen. Well, listen, just as I close here with a, uh, just a little moment of ministry, uh, let me just relate this to us on a very personal level. It's a great message, but I want to really bring it to something that some of you may be going through. I know that, that many people are hurting right now. And pain can tempt us to complain. Pain and complain, they, they go together. Complaining is a part of a victim mentality. It's, it's, it's just stating what is bad and negative. Instead of like becoming an overcomer, we want to do that. But instead of becoming an overcomer, our complaining holds us in a victim mentality. Instead, we need to be an overcomer. We need to let our words begin to declare what God can do in our life. Complaining is coming like from looking back at past pains. And complaining is, is looking at, at problems. But praising is looking forward to something new that God can do. And so I just want to encourage you today that if you're hurting right now in some way, if 
from a job loss or from business loss or from some other way, if there's pain, listen, don't get stuck in that spot. But begin to praise. Begin to say, God, I know you can get me through it. Don't let complaining trap you. Listen, I'm not trying in any way to undervalue your circumstances and your pain. I validate. I validate your place. But I also know that complaining is only going to hurt you. And if you hold firmly, though, to the word of life and speak those words of life, then by faith you can begin to move forward in life. And also, I know that there's a lot of people who feel very isolated right now from church. Listen, I'm speaking to a camera right now. Like you're having to watch church from a a couch, maybe with your family, but so many people are alone right now. And when we're alone right now, we feel isolated. We feel like no one sees us. We may feel like no one's caring about us. In those moments when we have those feelings like that, it becomes a, an environment that the enemy wants to use to cause you to feel negatively about your church. There's a temptation to complain in those moments when we feel that negativity. You may not even complain to others, but you begin to harbor complaints in your own heart and it becomes a place where the enemy can get a foothold in your life. The problem is that the church was never meant to be disassembled. We're living in a a strange time in culture right now. We're, We're living in a place that just shouldn't be for the church. We were meant to be a gathered body, a body that serves one another, worshiping together, praying for one another, all of this in unity. A gathered church is a connecting church. If you're feeling isolated, I understand. Let me encourage you, if that's you, Don't let a a complaining spirit, don't let that get in there. Don't let the enemy begin to plant things into your life that say you're not noticed and you're, you're not being cared for. We're just in a unique season. So keep holding on to the word of life that God is going to get you through. And then pray like crazy that we all get to regather again just as soon as possible. So I say those things just to say, don't let a complaining heart, a spirit get in your heart. Let me just pray for everybody right now. I don't know where you are, what's going on in your life, but I definitely want to pray for you. As a pastor, my role is to shepherd you through these seasons of life, and so I want to help shepherd you through this season. And so would you just bow your heads for this moment. Father, I pray for every person that's listening, people who feel pain in their life and they're, they're going through a struggle, Lord. God, I pray that, that they would hold on to the, the word of life, Father, that they wouldn't get trapped into a cycle of complaining that only spins them downward, Father. God, give us us words of of faith and words of praise and, and praying, Lord, by faith that you will get us through it. God, I just minister that to our church. God, I pray for anybody that feels isolated right now. You feel like no one notices and no one cares. And I just wanted you to know that that's a lie from the enemy. Your church cares. Your pastor cares. Your Our staff cares for you. Your small group leaders care for you. You're cared for. We love you. Don't let the enemy start to plant a seed in your heart of, of complaints. And so I pray that you'd feel noticed today. You would know that we love you. We care for you in Jesus' name. Amen, church. Amen. Church, I love you. Can't wait to see you again online next week. Maybe I'll see you in person. But have a blessed day. Happy Sunday. God bless.